The Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. It was all a dream. We used to read Blood Horse Magazine. Welcome, everybody, to the Notorious OTB. And uh, no offense to any of my, my other guests, um, but I've ha- I got a guy here that I've been anxious to get on for, for a while. Um, one, because he is the straw that stirs the drink in horse racing. Um, the unseen hand, uh, as Adam Smith, noted economist, might, might say. Um, but he's also a good friend of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you uh, Dan Torgman at the Anonymous Man, uh, as you, some of you, some might know. Uh, I'm going to try to use my words again. Um, as some might know him, uh, the Anonymous Man. Uh, Dan, man, how's, how's it going today? Good. I, I got to say, over the years, I have um, heard a number of uh, introductions, wind-ups, everything else, but... Uh, that, without a doubt, was was the best. And um, you know the fact that you start with a biggie lyric customized to horse racing is that is that like is is that every week? Because I've heard a couple of shows. Do you try to do that every week? Get a little get a little biggie in there. I I at at some point I try to work a little bit of um of you know some element of biggie in until Valletta Wallace tells me to stop. Basically, <laughs> is the plan. Which only is a matter of time, I really assume. Uh, you've seen our artwork. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm... Listen, I didn't pick sides in the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. Uh, Biggie, his name kind of lended itself to the whole OTB thing. So I guess I've picked a side retroactively. Um, here, let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, Biggie or Tupac, I know you're a New York guy, but... Oh, man. I, I, I hate this discussion. So... Um... Let me just say, I I think it's fitting that we're talking music off the top because when we start to get into the Belmont Stakes in a bit, um, I I am going to reference Tribe heavily. So um, there's that. Now, look, I know I'm supposed to say Biggie. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, I've spent 90% of my life in New York. But I don't know. Like Lyrically, Tupac always, um, I felt told a more um i don't know a story that 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 resonated with me a little bit more a story that 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 always felt a bit more authentic and meaningful in a lot of ways and so um i'm just big on words and uh in terms of words i i think you know tupac is you know he's, he's a poet and 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 he's Biggie, the rose that grew out of the cracks in the concrete let's it, let's be it, that's exactly one. it yeah yeah no he he's he's spectacular and and, and love tupac Biggie, look, if if if, if, if uh, a song to, to dance to and bop your head to, there's so many to choose from. So, like, from that perspective, um, Biggie. Um, the other thing is, I've just been listening to this podcast, which I can't remember the name of the podcast, but they go through basically their songs that explain the 90s. It's like the top 60 songs that, that explain mm-hmm. the 90s. It's uh, by, by Ringer, and um, so... Um, it, they, they just did one on DMX that, well, at least I heard it recently. And the more I listen to DMX, the more, um, and I grew up and I did again in the late nineties, I was in high school and, and DMX was a big influence, like in terms of just, although I had, a, you know, my life did not compare to any of the struggles that, that he went through, certainly like just the music itself and the anger and everything you feel when you're in high school, like he captured that. And so DMX like spoke to me in a very real way. And then now that he's passed, I feel people are starting to like look at DMX and 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 take another listen to his music now, um, and and they're realizing that he does belong 
in that conversation, and at least regionally for me, if I'm going to go with like an East Coast rapper, for me, DMX, I think now that I've had time to look back at my entire life of music listening, he might actually bump Biggie for me as well. So I might be Tupac, DMX, then maybe Biggie Jay-Z, somewhere somewhere in that in, in that hierarchy. A little backing for the man from the Y.O. My Lord, man, that's... <laughs> Listen, I wasn't expecting controversial things on this podcast, but here we go right off the bat. I will say this. Uh, I recently watched a uh, documentary about uh, DMX that they filmed while he was still alive of him just hanging out in Yonkers. And Mm -hmm. it was the coolest slash craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it really actually, it was very similar to a documentary about another New York legend that I recently saw that is also uh, insane, but also insanely entertaining, which is a uh, uh, meta world piece. Ron Artest, uh, say Queens Bridge, you know, like he yelled at at Sager that one year. Um, yeah, man, uh, that's that was I wasn't expecting that thoughtful of an answer, but I really appreciate it. Let's go, let's get into the horse racing here. Um, listen, man, you've done so many cool things. You've been to you've been to Hong Kong. You've been to Triple Crown races. You've been to Breeders Cups, and but there's one question that I've never asked you that I've been so excited to ask you, which is how great am I? Um, you're up there. Um, no, look, it's so <laughs> funny how we, uh, how we connected, uh, through a mutual friend through Bobby, right? Old marks, yep. This was now what, like three years ago, four years. Ago? I can't remember exactly. It might have just been like a couple of weeks ago, like I, whenever it was. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I think the first time I saw you, um, you know, you were in a in a streaming show with three other people, and like immediately you jumped out as like, wow, like who is this guy? Like so, no man, you you've been like it's been a, a joy to watch your your ascent in the uh, in the streaming podcasting uh universe of, of, of horse racing and beyond um i'm always highly entertained in fact my only issue with being on a show with you is that i'm prone to like just burst out into laughter when you say certain things and so like i'm not a very good guest because i'm just going to be here <laughs> laughing at what you're saying and not really contributing much I, i'm sorry that is incorrect the answer i was looking for was fuck off um <laughs> so let's but let's dive into, into too, nice, here. too nice yeah all right so dan did you grow up with horse racing? Was horse racing a family thing for you? I know, I know your your dad Max. He's a horse racing fan, also. But yeah. did you guys grow up going to the track together? So we actually no, we didn't. We actually uh, fittingly uh, grew up going to the OTB together, um, or I grew up going to the OTB with with him. It'd be odd if he grew up with me. Um, so That's a good point. Phrasing <laughs> was off there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, my earliest memories, I would say, uh, 1989, 1990, like 91 in that range, going to the OTB and he would, um, you know, those like sheets that they would, you would have at the OTB with like all the tracks and mm-hmm. all the runners, just basically the entries, they, it's like entry sheets they would have and they would be stapled to the wall there at the OTB or with, you know, attached to whatever, whatever gum or other sticky substance they had to, to, you know, attach them to the wall with. Um, and he, I remember him pulling one of these sheets, uh, for me and he's like, all right, you like, he's like, this is the race. He's like, these are the horses. Tell me which one you like. And I, I do remember in 89 specifically seeing the name Sunday silence and being like, whoa, that's badass. Like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds like really heavy. And even as a seven year old, I was like, I want to be involved in that. Like that, that sounds really cool. So he, of course, he put down a bet for me. I forget what it was, like two bucks, five bucks, whatever. Couldn't have been a whole lot. Um, then we walked three blocks. It's an important note here. Three blocks back to his apartment because, of course, when he moved to the U.S., um, he needed to be close enough to an OTB. So, of course, <laughs> he, he, he started you know, renting an apartment three blocks away from the OTB. Um, and we went home, we watched the race and Sunday silence one. I just remember feeling like, you know, it's one of those moments you feel like 
simultaneously it was exciting and I felt like I made my dad proud. I picked the right horse and all the rest of that stuff. I was like, this is sweet. This is easy. I want to do this more. And so, yeah, over the years, um, I think all my memories in terms of like my formative years at, at, and, and developing as a, as a racing fan were side by side with my dad. Eventually, like into my teens, we, we started going to the track. We started going to Aqueduct, Aqueduct and Belmont a little bit and even a little bit of Meadowlands harness racing. He always liked going at night to the Meadowlands. He thought that that was a lot of fun and he still does. Um, and yeah, and then I stopped watching racing really uh, for, for huge chunks of, you know, uh, my, my teenage years and into college. And then in college, I reconnected with the sport through some friends that I was hanging out with at the time. And I just got into like handicapping pretty seriously by the time I hit like junior year. And my like my room in college, I had like an autographed photo. I could see it like, you know, like it was yesterday of like Russell Bays. <clears throat> I don't know why Russell Bays was, was the guy, but he was like he was he was so hot, like could not lose at all. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. Russell Bays. So I had Russell Muscle on the wall and a bunch of different things, including a newspaper clipping of Sunday Silence when he passed away. So it, it kind of come full circle for me. And um, I, for those who, who know me, who follow me, um, I spent almost 10 years in TV, uh, you know, doing news. So it was not covering sports, was not covering horse racing, but I did start blogging about horse racing uh, around early, you know, the early 2010s, 2012, 2013. And then um, that led to some opportunities to write for some magazines um, because my background is in journalism. I went to Syracuse and I, I have a degree in journalism. And so um, I just like, you know what, I could write about horse racing. I could do like handicapping previews, betting previews, and then sort of more in-depth feature story writing. Um, so I started with Mid-Atlantic Thoroughbred Magazine. Um, and then after probably about six to nine months, um, I, there was an opening that came open at ABR. People think that I founded ABR. I did not. I did not. I did not create ABR. It's it's it's, it's purely a jockey club creation. Um, and basically, two years into its existence, I was lucky enough to to land a job here as a brand ambassador. I put in air quotes, which means we went around and handed out beer koozies. Um, and so, uh, but it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun and it gave me an opportunity to do something that I thought um, I would enjoy for the rest of my life. And I have, it, it's been the best job I've ever had. I'm in my ninth year now at America's Best Racing. It's really evolved. Um, we do a lot of stuff that is very handicapping focused. We, we do get pigeonholed as sort of the, the bow tie and, and hat brand. Um, and I can't imagine why. I mean, I've never worn either of those things. Um, but, you know, here we are, uh, you know, 10 years after, you know, the, the, the official launch of AVR. And, and I, I'm really proud of a lot of the stuff we do. We've got a great video team. We've got a great uh, content team. We've got great contributors like yourself. Um, we've got great handicappers, writers. Um, it's really just been um, a joy to watch ABR evolve and and just uh, every asset, every aspect of the sport. I, I think we cover and we try to take people behind the scenes. We try to show people um, how much fun uh, this game can be, uh, whether you're you're a hardcore gambler or whether you're just a, you know a casual fan or a horse lover. You know what's funny is you mentioned uh, you know kind of remembering placing the bet with with your dad uh, for Sunday silence um, winning, having that feeling of everyone kind of seeing you win and that, that kind of pride. I feel like that is the hook. Mm -hmm. It's not winning your first bet during a horse race. It's like when you send your girlfriend flowers to her office, it's not about sending her flowers. It's about everyone seeing her get flowers at the office I feel like horse players are no different. Like that's the big thing. It's like, it's great to win, but it's really great to win in front of people. And so like, I feel like that's the hook that, that really kind of brings people in. Hey, yeah. It, it's the ultimate, um, you know, in, in flex them, right? Like, like, like if you, if you love flexing, like mm -hmm. um, it, it really is like there are on any given day, 10 opportunities to, to, to brag about uh, how smart you are. Um, even though we know the more you do this, um, at least I'm convinced, you know, it, it's, it, it's 50% preparation, mm -hmm. you know, 30% to 40%, you know, structure, you know, betting structure. And then the other 10 to 20% is going to be luck. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's just, but, but that's what it is. You're right. That's the hook, right? Like it, it, it really does feed the ego in a lot of ways. Um, it's, 
you know, my dad always used to say it's the most sophisticated form of gambling, which made me feel like, oh, cool. Like, I want to be involved in that. That sounds awesome. Um, and and he's, certainly... he's played progressive slots before, though, right? <laughs> never, <laughs> never. And it's so funny. You got to see him at a blackjack table with me. I could be, you know, like, you know, I put down like $25 on a hand of blackjack. And his anxiety, he starts sweating. He starts, you know, just, just making noises, just grunting. He's like he's like a tennis player out there, just like like with each card that's dealt, he's like, oh, just, make, just making noises, um, and uh, it's just because it's painful to him because it's all random, it's all chance, and there's zero right. control over it. And with horse racing, I mean, although part illusion, you do have control over it. And, and again, I, I I just say part illusion because you still need to get lucky, and as as much as you prepare and as much as you handicap. You do have to become expert in, in in structuring your bets, and the way you bet from race to race has to has to change. It has to fit yeah. the race. So um, that is the biggest challenge. You know, if you're sitting there and you're like, "Hey, look, I'm really good at finding these horses, and I can and I can find long shots, and I can pick winners," but if you sit there for a month straight only playing pick fives and playing every pick five sequence, you will lose a lot of money. So uh, that. That's a good point and probably worth jumping into uh, because uh, in your first answer, you actually managed to knock out all of my questions in my basic outline <laughs> that I set up for myself. Uh, yes, that that's the first question that I feel like a lot of uh, people when they reach out to me on Twitter, uh, reach out to me on Reddit, wherever, ask is, you know, what's your bet? What do you bet each race? And it's like, it doesn't, the situation is the boss. The situation mm -hmm. is the boss. I, it's, it's, it's different. Uh, and in, it has, it doesn't have to do with like someone asked me, uh, okay, so this is a race where you, uh, box three horses and you throw out the favorite. And it's like, well, hold on. Like, why would you think that I'm automatically going to move to that every single time? Because it's not just about, you know, it, it's not, it's not just about my opinion, but it's about my conviction in my opinion mm -hmm. it's how strongly i feel my feelings is is gonna guide you know how I, I bet different races but we will get back to more kind of wagering talk we're also going to take a look at uh you know kind of advanced uh probables for the uh, belmont which is not this saturday but the next saturday it's coming up triple crown season it's almost over folks uh but we will be right back in the notorious otb uh after these words from our sponsors Make sure to get down on the wins bet $50 to win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. There's so much to choose from and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. SGPN is giving away $500 in their NBA Finals Prop Contest. Completely free to enter and exclusively on the SGPN app. Just download the app and hit the contest tab to get your entry in. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now... You can make money on Sleeper 2 by playing their new over and under game. It's super simple. First in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, eh, say number of points in a basketball game or hits in a baseball game. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. And if you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about over under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks, the tap of a button, maybe give them a little crap. It's insanely fun to write it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play our new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right, join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com SGP. All right, welcome back to the Notorious OTB. I think at the top of the show, I probably forgot to introduce myself because uh, I was so excited about my guest here, and also that's something that I just tend to do. Uh, I'm your host, Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oaklawn. 
thanks for sticking around for uh, roughly 17 minutes for that mystery. Uh, here with Dan Torgman of uh, America's Best Racing, aka the, the anonymous man on Twitter. Uh, and I think it's time. Uh, I've apologized apologized to you privately, but I feel like it's time for a, a much more public apology. Um, I carried on a long-term ruse with Dan. The first time I did something with ABR, someone asked me my background. Uh, I told them that I had a BA in hustling from the school of hard knocks with a minor in French lit. And, uh, Dan was very excited about the minor in French lit. Um, I don't have a minor in French lit. Uh, I mean, we were on the same stream together. He even showed me a book that was very French and very dark looking. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. And I even let him like introduce people, uh, you know, introduce me to people and say, you know, he even has a minor in French lit. And I just died inside every single time he did it. So I waited until he was in Vegas. And after I'd given him a losing football bet and I figured he couldn't be any madder at me at the time and uh i fessed up uh dan i do not have a minor in french let tell me tell me about that betrayal uh that you felt i think i feel more betrayed now in the retelling that you don't remember which book that i held up I, it, was, it was jean paul sartine yeah Sorry, yeah that's what it was yeah and it yeah. was it was nausea too which is arguably the greatest book ever written um look i you know i was hurt by it um but <laughs> you know I, the very nature of me showing you a Sart book is that, you know, like, you know, sort of in his words, right, just to steal another title, being, you know, you know, and nothingness, right? Like, you know, like here, you know, here, like, I can't start feeling bad for myself because nothing has any meaning. And 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 I wouldn't read too much into it because everything is dark and, and bound for, you know, disaster. So um, I think, uh, yeah, no, like that is in the that Frenchest theme. <laughs> Quite possibly. I expected. I he's just folks. It, you, since this is just audio, you can't see. While he's telling me this, he's actually smoking a cigarette, holding it really weird, like with his palm under it, very French manner. Please continue. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, no, but um, no, yeah, like you know, as you know, in, in that existentialist spirit, I, I feel like um, it, it's not for me to hold a grudge. Um, I, I think that uh, you have made so many other positive contributions to my life that um that that one betrayal is one that i could overlook i'm glad that we could have that comeback you know and ma manage to to be okay <laughs> this is the greatest comeback since lazarus <laughs> i might have been setting up my new durkin uh sound oh, drop like... there uh but yeah so let's go ahead. Let's get into some New York racing and let's talk about the big race, uh, the Belmont. I'll tell you, this is probably actually, well, his freakness, his favorite is, is the freakness. Of course, uh, Chase Essam's the Wolf of Oakland. His favorite is probably the Belmont. However, mm -hmm. uh, I really love this race. Um, from when I started playing, uh, horses, which is actually pretty recently compared to a lot of people. Like my first triple crown season was, uh, the year that creator won the Belmont. And I absolutely nailed that race like is before i understood ace i was like i think there's something to these times and started like charting things out so i i've been a big belmont fan since then uh been a huge new york racing fan since then we got a list of probables from horse racing nation out there let's see if anything tickles tickles your fancy here uh i got some offshore odds with them uh the todd pletcher tra trainee mo donegal plus 225 uh had a lot of success in new york returns to new york I'm not sure what to make here. Um, had it absolutely his way when he won the Wood Memorial. Uh, definitely did not have things his way when he ran in the Kentucky Derby. Two plus two twenty five in an offshore, you know, fixed odds feels a little bit short here. Yeah, I like Mo Donegal a lot. Um, I, I didn't love him going into the Derby, but after watching, as you mentioned, kind of the way he had to travel extremely wide. Um, and he was still gaining on the top three late. Uh, you look at his, his pedigree, uh, Uncle Mo uh, out of a pulpit mare. I, I think there's, there's, there's plenty there to like and to think that he's going to you know, enjoy every bit of this, this, this mile and a half distance. Um, and then also he's been flattered, right, by, um, by early boating, um, who came back and, and won the Preakness. Um, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Creator, uh, 2016 winning the Belmont Stakes. So follow me here. 
if you remove dating back to uh, 2014, if you remove the year that American Pharaoh won, which is 2015, yep. and if you remove Justify, because yep. both those horses were obvious freaks and, and Triple Crown winners, you remove them mm -hmm. from the equation, and then you take out the 2020 Belmont Stakes, which run at a shorter distance. If you look at only those Belmont Stakes since 2014 that have been run at a mile and a half, one, two, three, four out of the remaining five Belmont Stakes have won by have been won by Tappets. So uh, Creator was one of them. Uh, most recently, you had Essential Quality last year. There are no Tappets uh, in that list of probables that you're referencing, but there are a couple of horses um, that have sort of Tappet ties. Um, and one of them is a horse that I like a lot, and I referenced uh, off the top that I was gonna I was gonna drop a little tribe love here. So um, they've got a song called "We the People." If mm -hmm. you don't know it, pull it up. It's a phenomenal song. It's it's it's, it's part of the new it's off the new of album. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so uh, take a listen to the song. I highly doubt uh, that that. This horse, although I did tweet a little while ago that um, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that that's why they named this horse We the People, but then I looked at the ownership group and I was like, probably not. <laughs> um, probably didn't kick it on the Boulevard of Linden back in the days. Um, <laughs> that's my guess. Yeah, but but he's he's a Constitution, of course, who who is a Tappet um, out of a Tisnow mare. So and and I think as I'm talking about pedigree, people are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? So like I. It, like w with all sincerity and like you know that Ren Carruthers is one of my best friends and I love Ren yep. and she is the yep. pedigree geek right the pedig geek um she is all about pedigree all the time and 90% of the time I'm like that's really interesting that these horses are connected to each other that way but I feel like in terms of integrating it into my handicapping there's really only one race a year where I care about pedigree and it's the Belmont Stakes because you do have to have stamina in your bloodlines to win this race and so uh for me it's one of the easier races to put lines through names of horses that i think have absolutely no shot based on their pedigree and a couple of these in here that i look at pedigree combined with with visually the way they've run and how i've seen them flatten out late in previous races i am fairly confident betting against them um right. but in terms of those the horses that i feel who have the right pedigree and and who can move forward um i think modonical is one of those horses that you mentioned and, and i do like we the people yeah that i can you know i can see it there i completely see it there and that is a very good point about the tappets yes tappets win at this distance so um i hate to say it just bet bet the grays in the belmont stakes uh because <laughs> that tappet blood you know you know a tappet when you see a tappet usually it's like oh this silver bastard yeah this is this is most likely uh a son of tappet um I was really interested to see, uh, especially with, you know, some of the offshore odds, Rich Strike plus 450. Um, listen, I'm not saying that Rich Strike can't win the Belmont. I'm just saying it will probably just take some circumstances that are outside of Rich Strike's control to win the Belmont. So plus 450 feels really short. Uh, the Philly nest for Todd Pletcher. Could this curling Philly get out and just... I believe this is, I mean, a, a very forwardly placed horse typically get out and wired the field with Jose Ortiz up plus 850. Now we're talking, you know, that's that's kind of the, the odds that I, that I would like to see there. Uh, do you think a Philly can win the Belmont Stakes? I think a Philly can win the Belmont Stakes. You know, we've seen Phillies uh, win the Belmont Stakes, and it's possible that it could happen again. I just don't think that Nest is the one. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Curlin there, and we did see a Curlin win uh, back in 2013. This is like, I mean, just incredible like symmetry in this conversation because that was Palace Malice, and of course we just mentioned Ron Artest, so um, it really is all lining up well. Um, but no, Nest could win do i think she will i don't i, I think she'll run a, a really nice race i i think she'll um run into a piece of it um my issue with her is that you know if i'm gonna match her up against a horse like secret oath who beat her in the kentucky oaks secret oath traveled wider covered more ground in that race nest really had no excuses and couldn't get to secret oath 
We then put Secret Oath in against the boys, not once, but twice, and she's failed twice. Um, and, you know, we've once finished third behind Cyberknife and Barbara Road, who, you know, are, are not at the top of this division. And then, of course, when the Preakness came back and finished fourth. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I, I think it's great for the sport whenever you got, you know, Phillies, especially for, for mainstream coverage and storylines and all the rest of it. I think it's always fun to have, you know, mm-hmm. Phillies taking on the boys. Um, but, I just, I, I don't love, like, like, she's got the right pedigree. She's also, like, out of an AP and D mayor, like, which is, for those listening who are kind of new to the, the pedigree thing, and I'm throwing out all this pedigree stuff, like, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. it's a curling. I mean, we're, talk, we're talking yeah. Tappet. I mean, Tappet comes straight from the AP and yeah. yeah. tap, essentially. So, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a super horse right there. Yeah, no doubt. So, the pedigree's there. Um, I just think that, you know, you mentioned pace. You thought maybe she could get out to the lead. I mean, I really think she, she I don't know, she, she seems more comfortable with, with the target in front of her. And um, as I looked at this race up and down, I really think there's a good chance that We the People is loose on the lead. Um, you know, in the Peter Pan, he, he posted a half in 47-1, and one, which isn't like lightning fast, but it's, it's pretty fast, and three quarters in 111, which is really fast. Um, now, if you post those fractions, I don't know whether or not he's going to be able to sustain it for a mile and a half, but if he could slow it down to 48 and change and then could do like one, you know, 113, 114, I think We the People is the kind of horse who can go all the way, especially given the, the pedigree that I mentioned. And I think we're going to have a couple of horses sitting just off of him, including Nest um, and including Creative Minister, who um, is another one uh, who's got, I think, the right pedigree. In the Preakness, Another thing to to talk about just briefly is like, and you had a, a show that I listened to a few weeks ago where you covered extensively like biases and like what the best part of the track to be on, you know, like, like, so yeah. the Preakness, if you watched any of the racing that weekend, specifically on Preakness Saturday, you knew that you had to be on the front on the turn for home. And if you weren't on the front, there was only one horse who came from off the pace all day to win who yeah. wasn't on the front turn for home. And that was Ethereal Road, who's actually yeah. back in this race. Um, and so, you know, creative minister, even though we had a nice sort of rail trip, um, he had to do something that nobody else was doing and he, he had to find a way to kick and catch a horse in early voting who was essentially loose on the lead, um, yeah. where you wanted to be. And so he was up Lo- against loose it. on the lead and j- just kind of drunk weaving in and out. <laughs> not really, not really keeping it between the mustard and the mayonnaise, as we say here uh, in Arkansas. <laughs> No, that's it's an excellent point. And I feel like this is where uh, handicapping turns from from checkers to chess is evaluating horses that ran against a bias and how they might run coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually of the the belief that even though speed got better uh, at Pimlico that weekend, that the inside was still not the place to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on the track. It was speed that was winning. And so I think people automatically uh, kind of put together a rail bias with a speed bias. Uh, but I feel like that might've actually been a pretty tiring place. And so that's a, that's a good point with, uh, with like creative minister, uh, that I had that horse to round out the, the trifecta in the, uh, in the Preakness. or I'm sorry, his freakness did. He has returned to his, <laughs> his funky planet where he's slapping a bass guitar fast and loose, like some sort of delirious funky priest. Um, we are going to take a quick break, and then uh, when we come back, I'm going to wrap up looking at a couple more of these horses from the uh, Belmont Probables uh, here with uh, Dan Torgman, uh, my personal sage uh, is what I'll say. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back after these words. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day off right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. It costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually 
actually protect your privacy? That's right, without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You don't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com SGP. Welcome back to the Notorious OTB. We're talking about Belmont Probables. We're spreading love. It's the Belmont way. Baby, baby. All right. Um, Dan, have you heard the good news of the Dale Tar? Oh, I've heard it. <laughs> yes. Uh, for people who are not aware, uh, I am part of my, uh, you know, very uh, unknown religion to a lot of people. Uh, I have a deity who is uh, one half man one half horse one half dale romans um the mighty dale tar he's got a horse here i'm actually interested in because i cannot stop throwing money at this horse howling time i don't know i if there's not a lot of pace in this race if howling time could maybe get out towards an early lead with smoking joe talamo up who knows um please just forget i said that everybody because it's probably not going to happen but uh i'm going to bet the horse anyway uh can I get you to read some pamphlets on the Dale Tar? Would you be interested in maybe coming to a couple meetings, Dan? <laughs> I'd be willing to hand them out on college campuses. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, as the you, wolf of Oakland, I was hoping I would actually get a howl from you. I, um, you know, I save that. That's mainly for mating purposes, but uh, that and rallying, rallying the squad. I roll with the problematic crew of bachelors. Um, let's see. Okay. You know what? Yes. Yes. Since I owe this man so much in my life, yes, I will. I'll give you a. That sounded that sounded like an old timey ghost. <laughs> I got to get the, better. <laughs> I got to get better at that. We're even for the French lit. Okay. For, yeah, absolutely. We're even for French lit. Absolutely. Um, no, howling time. So I actually went back and I watched that replay because I was definitely not watching that race live. Um, look, the horse got to the lead on like a sloppy sealed track. Uh, at Churchill, um, didn't go all that fast, and he wired. Um, this is a different ball game. I mean, let let's see how this how the draw goes. I mean, like I'm I'm not a big like. I mean, yeah. look in the Derby, the draw does matter. Um, yeah. In the Belmont, if this if this field is, is large, and you know if there happen to be you know if there happens to be another speed horse or two that ends up joining the field. It might matter a little bit more. I'd like to see where Howling Time is. I mean, if he's down on the rail or he's down on the inside and a horse like um, We the People is drawn just to his outside, I mean, I think We the People is faster based on what I've seen so far. I, I think I think he gets the lead and, and Howling Time would be, you know, I mean, unless they don't care, unless they're just like, well, whatever, our only shot is, is winning on the front end, so we're going to send as fast as we can. But um, you know, it's not necessarily a, a Talamo trademark, as, as you, I think, alluded to there. Like, I, I don't see him being a horse who, a, a jockey who's going to be like, I need to send this horse to the front. And, you know, I, I, I think we need to obviously look at how this field shapes up a little bit more. And we have to see where they draw to kind of start building out a picture in our minds of how the race might unfold. But uh, Howling Time, I was okay not backing at this stage <laughs> you know it's it's interesting because we've hit the part of the year where you're at the belmont at this point we have seen some of these horses race for over a year now we know who they are we know what they do you feel like you don't need to see past performances 
But at the same time, you probably need to actually look at the past performances instead of just saying, oh, yeah, this horse does this. This horse is going to win. That's mm-hmm. it's not really it's not really the way to go about it. But it's something that it's really easy to fall into the trap of doing is just saying, oh, this horse. Yeah, this horse is going to dust them just because, no, there's there's something in there. There's the hidden variable, um, which I believe uh, Gerald R. Fibonacci uh, is notable for for uh, finding. Um Listen, I don't math. Arkansas public <laughs> schools, bro. Um, yeah. Anybody else in here you just kind of want to mention or, or throw out? I mean, like I said, it, so much can change. You, we might opine about a horse here for ten minutes, and then it yeah. just you know scratches scratches out. Is there anyone that's just kind of super interesting uh, to you? Yeah. Look, I, I think a couple horses we talk about briefly. One is Skippy Longstocking. Uh, we talked about how that track on on Preakness Day was was favoring speed and, and made things really tough for horses that were coming from off the pace. Skippy Longstocking not only came had to travel from off the pace, he was also wide early. Um, and, you know, it's also in the wood. I mean, he traveled, you know, he had a pretty adventurous trip there and finished a nice third. Um, he's a horse who, you know, he's a good trip away, I think, from running in, you know, into the money uh, in this Belmont at, at potentially a big price as a horse who might be overlooked, cause like, as you just pointed to, like people be like, ah, oh, we know that horse. He's, he's not any good. You know, we, we've seen him a few times. We know we need to know about him, but he's got excuses. Um, so I think Skippy Longstocking is one at a long price who could, uh, be a factor. Um, and then, you know, Barber Road is one who's interesting to me. I, I'm going to probably take a stand against him in the Belmont Stakes. Uh, to my eyes, you know, even though he was one of the horses who rallied from off the pace in the Derby, I, I considered it a, a negative that he didn't finish better than he did with as fast as the pace was. Um, he flattened out late, um, and I and I just don't see him being a horse who improves with, with added distance. In fact, I see him having more trouble late uh, gaining ground and, and, and closing late. Um, Ethereal Road, we touched on him briefly. I thought that it was impressive that on, the, on Preakness Day, he was the only horse to come from off the pace on the dirt and win, and he did it drawing away. The pace was lightning fast there. It won't be nearly that fast here, but I do think he can run into a share of it potentially. And then the one horse who we probably have given shorter shrift than we would most derby winners, um, that's Rich Strike. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think this horse is a really cool story. I think he's probably better than we're giving him credit for, but I also don't think that he's that good. Um if that can all be true, I, I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. So the thing about Rich Strike is I feel like that's more Sonny Leon's victory than it was Rich Strike's. I, I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I by no means have watched every single Kentucky Derby. There are some that don't exist on film. There might have been a better ride out there, but I personally haven't seen it. That was one of the best rides I have ever seen in a Kentucky Derby. You know what's funny? You know what I actually learned recently? Um, the youngest jockey to ever win the Kentucky Derby, uh, Lonnie, um, can't remember his name right now. Uh, he just lived like down the street, <laughs> like a mile away. Lonnie, you're, you're good. Your neighbor, Lonnie. Well, no, it, he, his name was uh, Lonnie. Hold on. I'm Googling this. The youngest okay. ever Kentucky Derby winning <clears throat> jockey. I like how you were like kind of leaning on me for for that, and I just have no answer. I and I should know it, but but I don't. Lonnie Clayton, okay, won the the Kentucky Derby in 1892, making him at age 15 the youngest jock to ever mm-hmm. win the noted race. Yeah, he's li- he lived like you know, just down the block, pretty much. I mean, a little bit further than that. Our blocks aren't that big, but yes, like yeah, just figured that out. Uh, yes. I'm gonna have to just really bother. Uh, some occupants of a home that probably have no idea uh, who lived there previously. I'm just going to, you know, I think if I have like a selfie stick and some lights, they'll think I'm official enough to let me just come in and start filming things around their house. Like, yeah, big Lonnie lived. Alonzo Lonnie Clayton lived here. You didn't know that? That'd be amazing. You should do, I mean, if you go with that old publisher's clearinghouse, like check, I mean, maybe there's a chance they'll let you in. My kids eat a lot of cereal. I could put that together. I got a lot of cardboard at my disposal. Um, yeah. Uh, listen, oh, we'll figure that out. We'll make that. We'll, we'll do something with that. I think you should come with me. Uh, and, no, and I'm carry down. The gigantic. Yeah, I'm absolutely uh, down. So wait, what do you like? I'm now I'm asking you questions. So what do you make of Rich Strike? Are you like yay or nay? I, nay, I take it. I'm I'm nay, but yay if the setup is there. 
Um, if, but also if the setup is there, there's about, I mean, this, this field is just chock full of closers. Now, can I say that he is the best closer of the closers? Well, I mean, with his closing the Kentucky Derby, it's the best one I've seen out of any of these horses. However, I can't say that someone else couldn't put together hotter fractions. Like if I feel like this race is going to fall to a closer, which right now, just based on the list that I'm seeing, I really don't see it. Um, I probably, I would use him and use probably about three or four other horses to, Mm. to kind of put it together. Um, You know, it's, it's one of those things. You just kind of have to wait, wait and see it. Um, You know, I, I need to, I need to look at past performances. I need to say, okay, I can throw out this race because of trouble. I need to watch replays. There's just so much that you have to do. Like you mentioned, there's just tons of research that goes into it. And it's probably what makes that and winning in front of people makes horse racing, you know, that, that fulfilling is putting in the work and actually deciphering the puzzle. Like uh, my uh, last guest on the pod, uh, when we looked at the Santa Anita pick six, Ryder Dave, like he said, he's like, I love puzzles. And instead of jigsaws, he started gambling and I am for it. Um, Dan, let us know what you got coming up. Cause I, I mean, I know with America's best racing, they, they keep you busy. Uh, and then also just so you know, we got in life when, when are you guys going to have a baby? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Don't answer that. All right. Uh, but wow. Yeah, um, uh, forget the second part. Lean into the first part. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. So, um, what do we have going on? So, I, the the most interesting, coolest thing happening in my life right now. I got to say, I got to give credit. Shout out to my wife Marty, um, mm-hmm. who is just. I mean, I should say I, I kind of glossed over my transition in life to from you know broadcasting local TV news to becoming a horse racing blogger to becoming um, you know a, a full time racing person, and the only reason I could do it is because my wife um, has been um, and is still like the most supportive person in the world and and, and encouraging and was was pushing me to do it, and so um, uh, I, I owe her another thank you though. Um, I have a I don't want to say the number because um, it's 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 a scary number to say, but I have a birthday coming up in October, and to celebrate the milestone birthday, um, she just recently surprised me with tickets to Austin City Limits, Ooh. and yeah, man. And so I've always like, I've always been into like festival life, although I've never gone. I've mm-hmm. never been to like this long like three day music festival like. My idea of a fun time would be like just getting real dirty and muddy and and just sleeping in a tent and and you know going crazy. Her idea of a good time would be like an air conditioned you know room where she doesn't have to come in contact with anyone uh, yeah. who might potentially throw up on her. Or... I'm, I'm getting a, a camping versus glamping kind of vibe. <laughs> exactly. here. Okay. Okay. But um, I was not going to complain when I found out that she got us some pretty like sweet uh, tickets to uh to austin city limits so i'm excited i've never been to austin i've never been to like um like like an extended music festival and i've certainly never done it um in this sort of vip style so i am pumped um that's in october so that's like kind of my can't wait to do that um between now and then i am hoping to get to saratoga this summer a couple of times uh we generally have a presence out there we may do a live show at some point out there we did one on uh, on Traverse Day last year, <clears throat> which is pretty, which was a lot of fun, and then um, we're also doing some stuff with Woodbine uh, this summer, including uh, we have on the calendar going up for the Queen's Plate. So we'll be streaming a live show for the first time ever from Woodbine, which will be a lot of fun. And we've had a lot of fun and and, and success with these shows just in in recent months. Our Kentucky Derby show that we did in partnership with Twin Spires uh, had a quarter million views, like. 250,000 people watched our Derby live streams. And uh, for us, that was huge because we weren't even streaming live around the time of the Kentucky Derby. We streamed from like 1 to 4 p.m. on Derby Day. And we didn't show any races. Like it was just us kind of trying to create the second screen experience that was more like atmosphere vibe, pregame show, sort of, I mean, look, I mean, the, the concept is really ripped from the whole idea, like, behind ESPN College Game Day, right? Except, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have, like, a stadium behind us and 100,000 screaming, you know, you know, college students. But we do have, at a lot of these tracks, just an energy on those big race days. 
and enough people in the background and great production value and a video team that just breaks its back uh, to put on these shows. And so, um, you know, and, and I should say we've had incredible guests and, and co-hosts, uh, Danielle Monet, Pete Fornital, um, Ren Carruthers, uh, and so many, Bram Weinstein. Um, and then we got lucky. We had like Ian Rappaport hop into our Preakness show. Um, just all sorts of guests. Joey Molinaro. Uh, mm-hmm. Just so it's been it's been great. So anyhow, I'll stop rambling. I'm excited about live shows coming up this summer. And just if you're new to the sport and you're listening to this, if you're still with us, um, I, I would say go to America's Best Racing because there's just a ton of stuff for for beginners. Like if you're just like, how do I bet? What do I bet on? What are the just sort of the basic principles? I heard Chase say something last week. I think I understood it, but can I can I like cross reference and make sure that I know how to apply this, whatever it is? There's stuff for every level of of, of better of, of fandom of whatever it might be at AmericasBestRacing.net, and then follow us on Twitter at ABR Live. There's just a, a ton of good stuff there constantly that we're that we're pushing out. You just reminded me. Uh, I'm I'm planning on doing a podcast series where uh, I teach Colby Dant from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network how to handicap, and it's going to be called nice. the Miseducation of Colby Dant. Um, <laughs> just to keep with the whole keep with the whole theme. Um, and, and there's a racing tie in there too that Lauren Hill just performed uh, on Preakness Friday, and I saw her, and it was spectacular because not only because people are like, oh, did she did she show up even, or did she show up on time? Did she? Did she sing more than two songs before? She's not Erica Badu, okay? She's a goddamn professional. (laughs) Not only did she show up, she did her biggest songs, and then she did every big Fuji song, which was sick. It was... I love the gang. I love the hustle, man. Love that hustle. (laughs) Yes. God, I love the Fugees. I love... All right, we could go another hour on the Fugees. So good. I'm just going to stop right there on that one. Like, I can't... The score? Are you kidding me? God, even the mm. Wyclef solo albums that came out after mm. that, the Carnival. God damn, mm. that still slaps. Yeah, mm. that's right. Mm. He's saying it like he just had the most delicious bite of collard greens in his life. That's how you know it's good. We just go. Mm, mm, mm. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I, I, I believe I, uh, I took you took you aside at the breeders cup and actually got misty eyed when i told you this like i owe so much of my success to you and i always just uh you know gotta say i i love you to death and if you need me uh to ride out on somebody and uh put them in the trunk then then i will as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster oh ray yeah well nice i mean touch. it's still it's, it's a sad now, but it's still a useful clip just for transitions and things. Nice. Um, so, so you had that clip queued up before he passed away? No, after. After. I'm okay. actually, pro- uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, just taking advantage of the recent tragedy oh, to, to use that clip. Hey, you know, he would have done it to me I, <laughs> if he knew who I was. Sadly, we can't ask him now if he does know who I am. All oh, right. My God. I need to get the hell out of here um, before... Uh, this show meets its sad, sad end uh, forever um, before I say anything regrettable. So thank you for joining us on the Notorious OTB. Thank you, Dan. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, probably going to take a look at a, a uh, sequence to handicap this weekend, or I might take it off. I don't know. I'm my own boss these days. We'll see. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for joining the Notorious OTB on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network.